Women. Girls. Girls. Women. Women. Girl. Woman. Woman. Bitch. Women. Women. Girls. Woman. underground reporting for CNN and I do want to ask y'all some questions about females if that's okay with you okay how do you feel yeah, yeah, about these other course. girls do you feel like other girls they too mean they being catty they being nasty do you feel like they 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 some sweet girls you know what I'm saying you only know cool females and they be some backstabbing bitches and they be rude as hell they say one thing they do another I have one one thing to say. Mm-hmm. Women are beautiful. I completely agree. You know what I'm saying? Like travels and that way she, you know, are like bitches just because they have some problems, you know. But that I, doesn't mean that they no. are a bad person. All the women are good. I'm just asking questions. You know what I'm saying? Y'all. Can function as a song I guess
Foster is Jodie Foster. My sister is Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs. My sister is Jodie Foster, who looks kind of like Zoe Deschanel, uh, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Uh, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is a very destructive uh, trope that recurs in film and television. Uh, it is destructive because it stereotypes women as having interesting personalities. Uh, the, uh, some other common examples might be uh, Kate Hudson uh, in the movie in which the 15-year-old boy gets statutory raped by groupies. Uh, it is also in the Kirsten Dunst movie with Layla. And 
to go to Christian camp and I was just like, no, I'm going. Because it was like my favorite thing ever. And I remember that summer after freshman year, I got back from Christian camp uh, and I went to my uh, GF, my jealous, crazy GF. And I was like, bitch, bitch, I need you. God loves me, bitch. history, women have been prevented from being totally cool and awesome by legal and social barriers. Now, in this new era of equality, it's time to look back on some women who have made waves and acted pretty awesome. This is my top five women of all time. Number one, Amelia Earhart. It's impossible to talk about flying planes and going missing without talking about Amelia Earhart, who did just that sometime in the last 100 years. She disappeared over one of our oceans and has not been seen since. Number two, Lois Griffin. As the wife of miscreant uh, Peter Griffin on the Fox animated television show Family Guy, she is the submissive housewife in a family whom she must cook for and clothe and be a mother for. Number three, Cleopatra, known primarily as a, quote, sexy babe, unquote, by historians, Cleopatra proves that being badass isn't just a dude thing. Number four, Marie Antoinette. Known primarily as Kirsten Dunst in the film Marie Antoinette, Marie Antoinette ruled pre-French Revolution France with a dainty iron fist, wearing fancy clothes and eating stuff such as pastry. 
she proves that being tough isn't just a dude thing. And in fact, women can be awesome. You go, girl. Number five. The Mom from E.T. Extraterrestrial by Steven Spielberg. Being a single mom is hard, but it's even harder when there's an alien in your house. This film reminds us all that it's not your fault the husband left. It couldn't possibly be your fault that drove him to leave his wife and kids. What possible reason could he want to do that? It's certainly not your fault. And your kids are going to grow up normal and well-adjusted without their father. So, it, who cares? And if they don't, it's not certainly not your fault. It couldn't possibly be. Talk to me 
about how white women know this but continue to vote for him? Is it the way they're socialized? They want to vote the way their husband does or their boyfriend or their significant other? Um, try to help us understand. Listen, I'm also trying to understand. I mean, I think a lot of women listen to their husbands, so that's the first fucking mistake, okay? We all need <laughs> a man we're married to. Who gives a shit what he thinks anyway? And I think a lot of white women, you know, listen, we grow up, we, most of us are surrounded by other white people. And then we have white friends, and we're not opening up our minds or our hearts in ways that look outside of our own lane, especially if you're a white person who's struggling. So say a white woman has three jobs, and she's raising three kids, and she's like, what, 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 what white fucking privilege? What are we talking about? Or what are we talking about racism? I don't have time to think about that because I think some people's worlds are really narrow because of their circumstances and it doesn't allow them to see outside of their circumstances to see, it doesn't matter that your life has been hard, obviously, you know, that's not what white privilege means. It means that some people are at a disadvantage, which puts you at an advantage, which is an unfair advantage. So don't you, as a mother or a woman, want to make sure everyone's treated equally. That should be the conversation going forward to white women. I'm a single, I don't even like kids, okay? <laughs> <laughs> People who are stupid and they're like, oh my God, she's selling herself for $5. If you spend $5 to subscribe to her for a month, does that mean she's packing her shit and moving in with you for a month and you have to like literally take care of her because you just bought her for five? Like, no, fuck off with that. And so this idea that Molly mentioned earlier that kind of women, white women are the better angels of, of white people and because we experience sexism and misogyny, which we do, that we somehow are more aligned or more empathic towards the oppression that people of color and particularly black Americans experience in this country. Like, that has been routinely discredited at every point throughout history. Your penis has not been socialized. Yeah. And it doesn't know how to act. Here's the deal. I'm a dumb ass motherfucking bitch here. And I put those sissy boys in their place on cam, okay? I tell them to sit on the floor with their fingers up their butts and cry to me that I am their goddess. It doesn't matter that your life has been hard, obviously. obsessed with women ever since I was a little boy. My first memory is of being taken to a big Mexican wedding by my grandmother when the ceremony was over and the dancing commenced. I was in the middle of the dance floor showing off my moves to the delight of everyone there, but when it became time to dance with the bride and she was gesturing me over with her big gigantic dark curly hair and beautiful white dress, I ran away crying to my grandmother. I have always had a rich fantasy life that revolves around women. 
women that I know and women that I don't. Before I even hit puberty, I would steal playboys from my dad and look at them under my bed covers with a flashlight and contemplate the big mystery of women. My first real big celebrity crush was Gwyneth Paltrow, and I would fantasize a scenario where I was a little kept foreign village boy wrapped in scarves who was charged with oiling her up and massaging her body on a movie set. I had many crushes on my various babysitters and believed that they would see how mature I was for my age and wait for me to come of age to be their boyfriend. In elementary school, I stashed a notebook in a gym bag by a man-made pond in a park near my house and would ride my bike there to sit by the pond and fantasize and write about my dream woman who had blonde hair, green eyes, and infinite good nature. My first girlfriend was a senior in high school when I was a sophomore, and she was the first real victim of my obsessive nature. I made a blog dedicated to her, and I went on jogs through my neighborhood and fantasized about the tragic and romantic moment when she would have to go off to college, and I would be there at the airport to say goodbye and tell her to never change. It never got that far. After four weeks, I was too much, and she had to move on. Later in high school and through college, I'd find myself on an insane hot streak with women, even having to turn some down, not knowing I'd find myself in my 30s, wishing I hadn't, with my only consolation in one-sidedly flirting with waitresses and over-tipping them as one-sided consummation. I am obsessed with women, and my life has become unmanageable as a result. testosterone 
So they live their entire lives thinking, along with their doctors and everyone else, that they're actually chicks. Uh, and they got huge boobies. It's one of my favorites. Um, but the weird thing is what it's about. Here, hold on, let me pull up the lyrics. Here are the lyrics. Stand up straight at the foot of your love. I lift my shirt up. Stand up straight at the foot of your love. I lift my shirt up. And then the chorus is, I'm on a blood buzz. Yes, I am. I'm on a blood buzz. God, I am. I'm on a blood buzz. What does that sound like it's about? What do you guys think that's about? Does it sound like it's about going down on a woman when she's uh, having her lady business? This is what it sounds like to me. Stand up straight at the foot of your love. I lift my shirt up. I'm on a blood buzz. I'm on a blood buzz. Yeah. You're a fucking pervert. Why am I a pervert? You're bitches is what you are. You're fucking rude. I just want to ask questions. I just want to ask questions. I just want to have a question. I just want to have a question. Hi, boys and girls. Okay. Okay. Uh, I've got a few questions for you. Okay. Go ahead. So I want to know how you feel about females. Do you think that they're evil? Are they good? Are they? Oh, that's my girlfriend. They're fucking bitches. Burn all of them. These yeah. women, do they have tight pussies? Do they have loose pussies? Are their pussies on fire? It depends because sometimes it can be an ex boyfriend that wrecks that shit, so. Oh my like, god, like uh, if they were dating a black guy or something. <laughs> just white with a big dick. That'd be over here. Oh my god. 
if the pussy gets too stretched out, are you even trying to hit it? Or is it like, get that shit away from me? I'll still hit. If you're a man of the Western world, chances are you've dipped your toes in the fetid ocean known as online dating. Assuming you're not a manlet, you chew with your mouth closed, you didn't lie about your height, you have an indoor voice, and you're not lightspeed ugly. At the very least, you've probably had mild success, if not more. But you spend enough time in that god-awful, vast, filthy prison you start to notice a couple of things. Like for starters, you're gonna see palette swaps of the same kind of photos. Woman posing with drink, selfie in front of a tourist destination, and that pose, you know that pose. It's like an illusion to take up as little space as possible. Slight turn, head tilted back to tighten the jaw. Maybe a kissy face or a little bit of tongue sticking out to tighten it all up. Chest out, but stomach in at the same time. Not sure if that's possible, but they end up looking like a minotaur. Always with one leg up and out, like a sleeping horse. Some throw their arm as high onto their back as possible, and that's the pose you see in a photo of every other profile. Now, it's easier to judge them on something like that than the things they're willing to owe up to that was written out in their bio or profile. Pretend not to notice the banality and classism of wanderlust. Opinions on food that are so strong, women are made out to be willing to die on a desert island surrounded by sushi, or pizza, or tacos, or whatever food they're taking a contrarian stance against to pad out their profile in the absence of substance or personality. Claims of looking for a travel partner, and don't let me stop you from wondering if vacation is just human trafficking with two extra steps and self-identifying as something like atheist and serious about it. So if she sneezes and I say, God bless you, will she throw her drink at my face and storm out? Because the second I hear an unprovoked magical sky king or flying spaghetti monster comment, I'm out of there. Hey, okay, Cupid, if you're listening, hit me up. I'm curious about this. You'll be quick to see. I can't see likes, so message me. Yeah, but unless two people like one another or you paid money for this fucking thing, then everyone is just stranded sending up messages in a bottle. However, women are quick to offer up their Instagram account. And it doesn't necessarily make things easier unless you have an Instagram account to message them. You know, that awful digital marketing time sink, which is also ran by an algorithm of sorts, provides a unique glimpse into what people are about, or lack thereof. Sometimes you could parse a lot of information from that. You know, OkCupid and Tinder allow users to link to their Instagram account. And yeah, it's a narrow window, and despite being a series of images in a caption, you could get insight through easily answered inquiries such as, are they smiling? Are they holding a drink in every single photo? Have they undergone significant weight fluctuations? Do they look happy? Do their eyes look glassy? Do they post pictures of them doing drugs? Do they have pictures of their family and close friends? At all? Do they have a separate Instagram account for their pet? Is the main page distinguishable from the pet's Instagram page? If applicable, do the friends in their photos seem to change every other month? Is there any mention of their career or work life in any of their captions? How many selfies are taken a day? 
Yeah, but feel free to make your own educated guesses on things like yoga poses on third world beaches, how often food is photographed, how often interests are shared, if not just straight up invoked. The frequency of socio-political issues either as a point of contention to no one in particular or as a means to virtue signal to peers and constituents, and so forth. I mean, I tell you what I think when I see something that appears to be a high-end escort, drinking expensive liquors, eating oysters, idyllic vacation photos, and a curious income bracket despite no mention of a career or work life. But hey, this is where I stop short of calling Instagram a facilitator of human trafficking, prostitution, drug trafficking, and so on. I mean, from what I've been told, rates aren't always negotiated in the DMs.
Monday afternoon. I'm on a walk with my dog. She's a chick. Girl dog. A while back when people start having conversations about representation, um, like in movies specifically, I thought it was retarded because I never looked for, um, I never like looked for like a mirror image of myself in media. That was like completely foreign to me, probably because I'm a white man and every single movie ever represented me. So I was already swimming in that water. But that discussion and argument always uh, sort of mystified me because my mind would go immediately to uh, Alien and Aliens. Uh, Ridley Scott and James Cameron's classic science fiction blockbusters. Um, which feature a strong female lead. But I never thought of it that way. Um, it was just a movie and the hero or whatever, the focus was Ripley, was a chick. I never processed it as unusual or special or that she was being depicted as strong or anything. Never saw it that way at all. The reason my mind would go to aliens specifically is um, because like something about uh, the biomechanical universe of Giger represented some part of my inner experience somehow, uh, like the interior of my mind. I'd always think of like the queen alien, which as a kid I thought was super sweet. Queen alien, she's a chick. But just like the grotesquerie of that creature and that universe, just the Giger look, I felt represented somehow. And sort of as a provocative joke or a troll or whatever, I would say, you know, I always felt represented by the queen alien and aliens. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. I also didn't recognize at the time the sort of sexual nature of the Giger universe. I never really saw that. I never even thought about the face huggers as like, you know, uh, face fucking or whatever. Never thought about it that way. Never saw the uh, face huggers as sexual or the, the inner mouth tongue. I saw that as sexual. But maybe that's because I'm a guy and I didn't have to walk through the world worried about stuff like that, so I didn't recognize it.
have a little bit of discoloration from having two liposuction procedures, and I'm just going to take away just a little bit of the discoloration because that is not cute. And uh, I think that's about it, just a little bit because, like this, see, look at that smooth tool before, after, oh, after, so much better. Details, and I'm going to go into, oof, that's my favorite type, like literally my Let favorite type of body. I made, in the first 24 hours that I was a cam model, I made $900, and naturally I flew it all, but that's okay. I scroll right in here, and I whiten just this part, so it literally doesn't even show that much, so here's before, and that's after, it's just a light, slight change, like I said, you're full on, like in a make your eyes bigger and your lips bigger and do it. But so then I who cares if the kids from high school like saw you naked? It's a good picture. Who cares if your cousin told everyone in your family that, you know, you're selling nudes, like you're making money, you know? Refine with the tool you want and you just like drag it in. Just let yourself slightly, you don't want to go to your arm because then it'll look weird. And you just want to slightly just close in. Okay. I'm going to get my first dildo. So, what happened was, of course, I needed toys. I needed toys. I needed toys. The sex shop. 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 friends at that time and we were just you know having a normal day in the woods 
we were uh, swinging from tree branches, you know, that sort of thing. And he ended up bringing up to me, I don't know how this conversation started, but he, he told me that his babysitter, who even through my gay eyes in second grade, I could tell she was a looker. Um, and he told me that his babysitter told him that she gets fingered by her boyfriend. And at that time, I'm 99% sure I didn't know what that meant. And I don't know that he did either, but it sounded like something adult, something that uh, we weren't supposed to know. Uh, and so we both got very excited over this fact. I think he saw you know, how I took this information and got very pumped up about it, and he decided to match my energy. So one day he is uh, being babysat by this girl, and we both excitedly walk up to her, and we, uh, we tell her, we heard you get fingered. Uh, you told us you get fingered. Um, and we were expecting her to, you know, be like, oh, you guys are so cool. I can talk with you about anything that's so cool you know about fingering. Um, and instead, what we're met with is a face that immediately turns red and fills with regret as a, a frown consumes her entire face. And she said, uh, you guys talk about that stuff? Um, and was clearly you know, not feeling the fact that she had, uh, you know, some days prior divulged the fact that she gets fingered by her boyfriend to a uh, seven-year-old. Finally, 
she tells me that she was reading an article about in, in Vietnam at a water park. These group of guys formed a rape mob and raped like nine women. And she was so moved by this that she was crying on the floor and yelling at me. same middle name, Marie. So was I. A Catholic boy for whatever it was worth. It wasn't much at that point. It was more of a class thing. Years after the distinction stopped meaning anything and everyone stopped believing in anything. It was just a way to keep the old money from mixing with Ellis Island wops and the French Canadian trash. Twenty years later it seems quaint and hard to believe, but there was just enough of my grandfather's world left in the early 90s. The first girl I finger-banged was named Therese Marie. And I had to stumble to Grace with her parents at dinner and lie about how often I went to church before they dropped us off the mall. And I talked her into going into the hallway behind the food court where the payphone used to be. For a long time, that's all it was. She wasn't doing anything else before confirmation because she might have to go to confession and she was terrified of getting pregnant anyways. Nothing scared her more than having kids. She was a miracle baby herself. 
Her parents wanted to be like everyone else and have a bunch of kids young, but it never happened until they were supposed to be too old and then it suddenly did. They spent their whole lives praying for a kid, and their kids spent her whole life finding loopholes in the catechism to bang shitbags like me without getting knocked up. I was malignant. Her parents were soft but well-intentioned. They didn't have the heart to be too strict. But they were decent folks and tried to raise her to be the same. I fell in love in the sick way I was able and just circled like a predator, finding every crack I could in their defenses. I sat through dinners, said grace and got dragged to mass occasionally, snuck into her shed and waited for them to go to sleep. The first time we had sex was in the woods behind her parish. I screwed up and afterwards she made me pray that she didn't get pregnant. I didn't know how. It dragged on for years. I drained her like a parasite and hung on for dear life through high school and college until one day it ended badly on a car ride in western Massachusetts in the winter. I'm lecturing about anarchism and why it's important for the movement that I remain unemployed and do petty crimes and play in shitty bands and she just wants to finish school and get decent grades and get a good job and I just keep snidely telling her that's so bourgeois until we're shouting and suddenly she pulls over and says you are fucking intolerable, get out. I look at her like she's crazy and ask if she's serious. Yes, she screams, get out. It's winter, I say, we're in the middle of nowhere. I don't care, she says, call someone. I took a deep breath, got out and slammed the door. She pulled off and she was gone for good. It was cold as shit. Those late winter months after Christmas in New England where it's windy and bitter and the ground crackles. I shoved my hands into my hoodie pockets and walked for a bit until I saw what looked like a big Y supermarket off in the distance. I decided to cut through a cemetery. St. Mary's. Marie, like her middle name. I had no idea what town I was in, but I figured from the names on the headstones it was a French mill town like the one where I was born. Wa, Cloutier, Jean-Baptiste. I come to the top of the hill in the center of the cemetery and stop. It was a life-size bronze replica of the crucifixion. I look up and the tarnished, pained face of Christ stares back down at me from the cross. It gets windy. I drop to my knees, not breaking gaze, and kneel there for a second. Thinking about, for the first time in my life, what pain really means. I can feel the skin in my hands cracking and bleeding from the cold. I'm not dressed for this. I look to my left. A woman made of stone is kneeling beside me, her face streaming with tears. Reaching for the sky, frozen in suffering. Mary. Marie. Like her middle name. I finally get to the store. I called my folks and they get me home. They asked me where I'd been. I hadn't been around for weeks. The cops had just been there that morning looking for me, actually. I knew why, but told them I didn't. They were waiting when I got home. The next time I went to church was in county jail. An elderly murderer sang a solo. It was in Latin. I didn't understand anything but the refrain. Ave Maria. Maria. Marie. What do I think about women?
Well, being a homosexual, I grew up in the world of women. You generally emerge from a cushy, uterine female world into the world of men later on, whereas straight men follow the opposite path, uh, going from the world of boys into a world of total enslavement by females until the grave. I actually like women quite a lot, which is something that uh, seems incompatible with my alleged status as a misogynist. Um, But they made themselves simply unbearable throughout the entirety of the 2010s, the worst decade in human history. Um, Women operate as as brown shirts for liberals, for the Democrat Party, um, because of their innate conformity and desire for approval, social approval, they are extremely susceptible to all manner of propaganda. Um, Most notably, uh, first of all, gender theory, Uh, the widespread and cynical dispersal of transgender ideas throughout the 2010s as soon as regular homosexuals like myself had ceased to become a profitable minority for Democrats after the passage of gay marriage. Um, The women have an innate love of censorship. Show me a woman who doesn't love censorship and I'll show you a liar. They are always on the side of things needing to be excised, things needing to be forgotten for the common good, for an abstract common good. Um, They have a reptilian capacity for adaptation to any situation, uh, any societal or cultural changes, which works to their credit, but to me is not likable or admirable. Uh, We've seen their reptilian capacity for adaptation with the uh, COVID propaganda, which has been largely executed through women. Um, Women are now okay with wearing a mask in public forever as a symbol of their fight against white supremacy um, and patriarchy and Donald Trump. Uh, They are no longer bothered by any of the trappings of COVID that Uh, seemed so authoritarian to them just a few months ago. They're totally fine with lapsing slowly into a lifestyle of pointless email correspondence jobs and uh, eternal Netflix and Uber Eats delivery by the only the blackest of Africans, which they will never acknowledge. Um, They are preserved and protected at all costs, despite that they have 
more power than anyone in society. And as Sam Hyde said, it's like having your video game character's capabilities maxed out at the start, and still they tend to fail. Mainly, I hate them because they're largely responsible for the 2010s. Okay, I'll try.